Well, tonight we have a very special night. We do this one time a year, and we call it our um, missions annual Missions Faith Promise Weekend. And we used to call it Missions Sunday, and we stopped that because we no longer meet on Sunday, so <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. So now it's our annual Missions Saturday, I guess, for now. And um, what we do is we... Uh, have a piece of paper. In fact, let's pass those papers out right now. There's going to be a paper passed out. Um, it's called a faith promise paper. And you can wait to fill that out until the end of the service, or not the end of the service, but after the message. Yeah, for anyone that didn't get one, um, raise your hand so they can make sure that they can put one in your hands. And for a couple, you only need one, um, or do them individually, whatever is fine. And we'll go through that paper line by line um, after the message and explain what all that means. Also, we are going to examine, um, when we go through that, we're going to pass out another paper that looks at what we did in the last year. And here's what, what we're doing is we look and we say, all right, Lord, what would you have me to do in missions? Now, this, what goes on this paper is not your tithe, not what normally you, know, you bring in as the 10%. This is what you're going to do above and beyond that by faith. Okay, This is not a promise to any man. This is, this is by faith as God enables you. That this is what you want to do above and beyond the tithe. So don't include the tithe that you know you're, you're going to be bringing to the service. That shouldn't be included um, in this number. And then we will we'll go through some more details on that um, a little bit later. But before we do that, the message that we're going to hear is from Pastor Dan Betzer. He's now, I think he's like 84 years old now, but he's still living and um, has retired. He's no longer pastoring a church from the way I understand it. But he uh, pastored a church in several different places through the nation. He's going to talk about it. He's going to tell us kind of his journey of um, sowing into missions and, and how that worked for them. And this particular book right here he wrote, it's a very, very good book. It's called Why Some Churches Are Blessed. I highly recommend that you read it. And I, I brought the book along tonight from my library to uh, just promote it, and I wanted to advertise it so you can go down to the bookstore and, and get a copy. And so I went down there to see how many copies we have, and we have none. So you can't go down there tonight and buy any. Of course, you can. Um, uh, they're even back-ordered on Amazon right now. So we do have more coming, and when they come in, I will uh, let you know that they are in the bookstore, and you can pick them up at that time. But a very good book, and he goes into much more detail on what you're going to hear um, about tonight. Before we um, go on into... Actually, we'll do that afterwards. We're going to pray. Uh, maybe you'll have to help me remember. We're going to pray for Troy and Katie, who are in Ghana. There's a whole team in Ghana, but they and a, a translator have flown up into the northern part of the country and um, into an Islamic area and they're ministering up there for a couple days and um, exploring, all right? And so we're going to pray for their safety as well as a few other things uh, in, a, in a little bit later. So let's go ahead and turn our attention to 
what the Lord would teach us through Pastor Dan Betzer. Let me read to you from uh, the book of Acts. Tremendous thing happened in my life about seven, eight years ago. I've been in the ministry a long time. And you get in a rut. And the Lord spoke to me one day in my prayer and said, I want you to read through the book of Acts every week for a year. It comes as a shock to some Pentecostal charismatics that uh, there are more than two chapters in the book of Acts. There's 28 of them. And you and I are living in the unwritten 29th chapter of the book of Acts. And everything that takes place in this book ought to be taking place in the church today. I believe that with all my heart. Now the book of Acts is the, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of Peter and Paul, primarily Paul. But it's also the story of two churches, Jerusalem, which was the original first church where everything happened, don't you know? And then this little old upstart church about 100 miles north called Antioch. Well, the church in Jerusalem went into oblivion quickly because it was inward, it looked inwardly on everything, you know? But the church at Antioch was an outward-looking church. The 13th chapter tells us about this incredible church. In the church at Antioch, 13th chapter of Acts. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Listen to this lineup. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, I love this little phrase. And Saul and Paul. Oh, Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and sailed from there to Cyprus. This was the first great missionary journey, and the church at Antioch is the church that introduced the whole concept of missions to the world. It was the church at Antioch that thrived, that grew, that became the sustaining force. The church at Jerusalem disappeared quickly. God is not going to bless any church that's not involved in missions. Just that simple. Read the book of Acts. God blesses missions churches. He only had one son, God did, and he was a missionary. God is involved in redemption. God is not willing that anybody perish. Anybody. And everybody can be saved. I was flying in here one day for a committee meeting, and I changed planes in uh, St. Louis, which everybody does going anywhere, I guess. And um, I heard a hullabaloo over by the side of the waiting area. And here was a group of about maybe a hundred men. And it was vulgar. I mean, it was vile what they were doing. I couldn't figure it out. Finally, they parted and I looked in and sitting in a chair by herself over in the corner was Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Dr. Ruth. 
For those of you who don't know, she's one of our Missionettes ladies. <clears throat> Little grandmother, Dr. Ruth, who goes on television around the world and espouses a sexual uh, behavior that is not condoned by the Bible. So there she is. So I thought, well, that lady's going to Springfield, Missouri. What in the world is she going to be doing in Springfield? I knew she would not be lecturing at headquarters. And I wondered, what, what is she going to be doing in Springfield? So I went back to my book. I, I read all the time. and So I'm reading my book, and the thought hit me. She's flying to Springfield. Somebody is going to have to sit next to Dr. Ruth Westheim. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're the man. <laughs> hey, they'll pull your credentials coming into this place riding with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. So I said, nah, it's not going to happen. So it just happened I'd been upgraded on my flight because of all the frequent flyer miles. So I jump on the plane. There I am sitting right next to Dr. Ruth, front row. She's a little bitty woman. She's about 4'10". And her, her feet don't even bend, her legs just stick straight up. <laughs> so guys are coming down the aisle and they saw me sitting. Boy, I wish I sat next to Dr. Ruth. I got a lot of questions I'd like to ask her. I thought, oh dear God, oh dear God. So I thought, well, Lord, if you want me to witness to her, you're going to have to give me an opening that you could drive a truck through. So the plane pulls out into the end of the runway, and one of those patented St. Louis electric storms hits, and we sit there for two solid hours. So Dr. Ruth reaches inside of her purse, and she pulls out a newspaper. Well, I'm a newspaper junkie because I used to be a newsman. So she's got my favorite newspaper, which is the Jerusalem Post. I subscribe to it. So I looked over, and she's reading the Jerusalem Post, and the Holy Spirit says to me, start the truck. So I said to Dr. Ruth, you're reading my favorite newspaper. She says, oh, you take the Jerusalem Post. I said, yes. She said, are you Jewish? I said, yeah. She said, well, you old vaudeville line, you don't look Jewish. I said, well, I was adopted. Witnessing is really fun. She said, you ready for this? She says, who adopted you? I said, Jesus. Oh, she said, you must be a preacher. I said, yeah. Now listen to this, because you wouldn't expect this. See, we, we, we build these artificial barriers. We think people aren't interested, but they are. Fanny Crosby wrote down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. And Dr. Ruth looked up to me with tears in her eyes. And she said, for the past six months, I have been reading everything I can get my hands on about Jesus Christ. See, you didn't expect that, did you? That's why Jesus said, don't judge other people. Makes it impossible to witness to them.
And she said, flying into Springfield today, would you tell me everything you can in that length of time about Jesus Christ? So as we're starting our descent into Springfield finally, a couple hours later, she took my hands and her little teeny tiny toy hands. And she says, Danny, would you pray for me? And we prayed. I've got her home phone and her home address. Pray for Dr. Ruth. She'd make a whale of a speaker at general counsel, I'll tell you that. <laughs> God's not willing that anybody perish. And individual Christians and individual churches that flourish and fly are churches that are involved in redemption. No business as usual. We're blessed as you are to have a nice facility. It's not as nice as yours, but, but God's blessed us. But God's not in the building business. He's in the redemption business. And the buildings are used as tools. We're very involved in television, as you are here. We're on eight times a week down in Fort Myers, but we're not in the media business. We're not in the television business. Television is a tool. We're in the redemption business. We are in the missions business. And the reason why God blesses the church and why God blesses us individually is because you seek first the kingdom of God, you do what we're called to do, and be involved in real faith promise ministry. It's not pledge. I'll tell you the difference here as we go along. If you want God to bless your life individually, then get in the business God is in. I wasn't raised in a ministry family. My dad was a barber right here in Springfield, had a shop up on Division Street. Godly man, but he's not a preacher. So I wasn't raised in a preacher family. And my days at Bible college didn't last a real long time, so I don't know a whole lot about homiletics, and I don't know how to preach three-point sermons. And I just, I don't know why I'm telling you that, because it's going to be obvious to you in just a moment. That man doesn't know what he's doing. One of my board members said, Pastor, you said one day that you don't preach three-point sermons. He said, shoot, I've heard you preach sermons that had no point. So, <laughs> when God called uh, Darlene and me into the ministry a long time ago, I was working here. I was working as a newsman out of KYTV and KGBX. It had been 100 years ago. There was no color television. There was no videotape. There was kinescope. We used to do the newscast there, and instead of saying, we'll be back after this, and you cut away to some sharply produced commercial, I'd say, I'll be back with more news after this commercial. And the camera go black. I'd unhook my mic. I'd run across the studio. There'd be a car. That camera would come on. I want to talk to you about this Dodge car. I'd sell that car or a bottle of milk or a loaf of bread. And now back to the news. Camera go black. You run back over. <laughs> Now for more news here. It's the way it was back in those days. And uh, God called me to the ministry for some reason known only to God. And I said, I'll go, Lord, but I don't ever want to pioneer a church because everybody knew if you pioneered a church, it's because you couldn't get elected to a real one. It was my thought. What did I know? And I said, Lord, I want a beach ministry. 
Lord has a whimsical sense of humor. And for the next 20 years, Darlene and I lived right on the shores of Lake Erie. <laughs> That's not the beach I had in mind at all. And we pioneered churches. Boy, there's something about going in where there's just nothing, you know, and seeing God create something. So we went into this little town up on Lake Erie and started church, started in the basement of our house, had 16 people there that first Sunday. Eight of them got saved, eight of them disappeared. And we started with eight people. We called it First Assembly <laughs> in a town of 8,000 people. First Assembly. And uh, God began to bless it, and uh, after about a year, we had 90 people, 90 saved people. Most of them had been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and a little tiny building. And uh, it was going along well, except for the fact we couldn't pay the bills. Our, um, our budget for the year in that little church was $16,000, which included mortgage, which included utilities, which included my preposterous salary, which included outreach, included supplies, everything, $16,000. Problem was, we were only taking in about $215, $220 every week. So at the end of every month, we were hundreds of dollars behind. Now after a year, we were behind about five, $7,000. And the pressure was getting to me. I would call the district. Hello, Pastor Betzer. No hablo inglés. that just hang up on me. I'd call these stewardship companies, <laughs> and they would say, why, yes, we can help you, Pastor Betzer. We, we do need a $10,000 retainer. Well, if I'd had $10,000, I wouldn't have needed them in the first place, you know. I'd preach on tithing. God wants us to tithe. Amen, Pastor, preach it. And the next week's offering, same thing. It was a hopeless situation, and I got very sick. I don't handle financial pressure well at all. Very sick. So while I was sick, the Lord had, had me where he wanted me, and he began to talk to me. Dan, I'm going to teach you about divine economics. Thank you, Lord. Lord said, I'm going to get you through this, and I'm going to teach you how your church will never have a financial problem. There are no money problems in the church. Just aren't. Because God says, I will supply all your need. He either meant that or he didn't. Now, if he's not supplying my need, then I'm not in the same business he's in. Pretty simple. If I'm in the business he's in, he'll honor me and provide all my need. Our needs were not being met. Lord, we got this building. God said, I don't care about your building. You're not in the redemption business. Now, I want you to do three things. I said, okay. Lord says, I want you to have a missionary convention. Oh, I said, God, have you ever been to a missions convention? <laughs> oh, they are so dull, so dull and I'd just been to one. The missionary had set up his slides. I love to look at slides. That's my second favorite thing is to look at slides. My favorite thing is to trim my nails with a chainsaw. <laughs> I love to look at slides. This missionary had the little clicker. House went dark. Here's a picture of a tree. Another tree. 
lot of trees. I mean, it goes on and on. And I heard this missionary, absolute fact. He clicks it. This is a picture of my wife and our pet chimpanzee. My wife is the one on the right. It's the truth. It's the truth. <laughs> oh, man. How exciting can one service be? Be still, my heart. And then they always close it with the slide. You've seen them. Here we see the sun sinking into the sea. And it's getting dark, and the light is leaving. And it's just grim. And then the lights come back on in the house, and everybody's sound asleep. So I said, Lord, listen, our, bu our whole budget is $16,000, and we need some help. God said, fine, have a missionary convention. I said, oh, God. And he spoke to me specifically. This is not for every pastor. This is just what he told me to do. It's got to be Sunday through Sunday. And so the first full week of every November is the motor of our church. And always has been down through the years. The missions convention. Every miracle. Without any exception. That I've ever seen happen. We can attribute directly or indirectly to missions. Everyone. I have pastors say to me. Can't afford missions. You can't afford not to be involved in missions. We never say no to a missionary at first assembly. They call all the time. And we average 60 a year. Missionaries come through, can't always give them the service, but they can have a window. Sixty a year come through. And I do that. I never say no to a missionary because I have a thing about lightning. God says, go into the whole world, preach the gospel to every creature. And so here's one of God's spiritual marines going out to establish a beachhead for God somewhere. And he calls me, well, I'm sorry, we can't have you this week. Not I, brother. My mama didn't raise a moron. We haven't come through. And God blesses and blesses and blesses. So God said, I have a missions convention. I said, okay. God said, I want you to bring in Oswald J. Smith of the People's Church in Toronto, Canada to preach. I laughed and laughed because I got a church of 90 people. Dr. Smith, according to Billy Graham, who preached his funeral, was the greatest missionary statesman of the 20th century. Smith was 97 when he died, wrote 57 best-selling books, wrote 1,500 hymns. His church gave millions to missions. I mean, this is a long time ago. When a million dollars was really a million dollars. This guy's a giant. God said, get Oswald Smith. And I remember laughing and said, fine, I'll bring him in. I'll bring in Frank Sinatra to sing the opening song. I'll bring, <laughs> I'll bring in the Glenn Miller band. I'll bring them all in, Lord. How am I supposed to get Smith? God said, ask him. So I wrote to Smith and he said, I'll come if you do exactly what I tell you to do. I said, okay. Then God said, you're going to have missions convention. You're going to bring in Smith. And I want you to have a faith promise. Now, here's the heart of this whole thing. This is not a pledge. I wouldn't go across the street to ask somebody for a pledge. Because it puts pressure on people. If you're like me, you can't pay anyway. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. I just don't. Got a wife. <laughs> Forty-four years. Got kids, one of whom's here today. My uh, youngest daughter just graduated from university. My oldest daughter just got married a couple years ago, proving there's a God. She got married at the age of 37, first time. She used to say, Dad, the longer this goes, exponentially the cost of this thing is going to go up. <laughs> Boy, it did. 
I don't have any money. So if you came to me and said, I need a pledge from you, I'd have to say, sorry, you're out of luck. I don't have anything to give you. So forget the pledge thing. That's human. That's your own resource. That's your job. That's your investments if you got into your bank account. Not interested in that. Not talking about your money. My tank is empty. Probably most of you in the same boat. So forget that tank. Take the hose out of that tank. There's nothing in there. And drag the hose clear over here to a whole different supply, which now we step into the supernatural. Plug the hose in there. My God shall supply. This becomes a supernatural thing. And I can prove it to you as surely as you're sitting there. So God says, I want you to have a faith promise this first year for missions, this little church, of $32,000 a year. God, let me explain to you. I'm going to talk real slow. Our whole budget is $16,000. God said, I don't care about your budget. I don't even care if you meet it. I want you to have a faith promise goal for redemption for missions for $20,000. For $20,000, $20, not thirty-two. $20,000. $20,000. So I explained that to the board when I got well, and they said, let's go for it. One of the reasons why James River grows so fast is because you're challenged all the time. People want to challenge. They don't want to just sit. You know, there are two kinds of churches in the world. There are missions churches and there are maintenance churches. Maintenance churches. Maintenance churches just, they open up every board meeting with, we've never done it that way before. The theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is on the very first page of your Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form, void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what your theology is there, but something cataclysmic happened and all of God's universe suddenly became this vacuum, this blob of darkness. And then the Bible said, and the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity, divine, therefore immutable, therefore He has all these divine traits. He cannot change the same Holy Spirit that brooded on the face of the deep is the same Holy Spirit that baptized me in the Holy Ghost in 1950, a half century ago. This creative Spirit of God broods on this vacuum, and out of it God said, let there be light. Bam! A billion shafts of silver split the darkness. And God said, whoa! Well, you went too far there, Brother Dan. Because it says right here in the King Jim Bible, right here, God said, that's good. Oh, come on, give me a break. The whole universe is this Stygian inky blackness. And all of a sudden, God says, let there be light. It looks like a cosmic juice box, jukebox or a laser show. And God says, that's good. I don't think so. I think God said, whoa! Angels, blow it out. Let's do it again. That's the same Holy Spirit that fills you if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we ought to be the most creative, dynamic people in the world. So I said to the board, we're going to do this. They said, let's go for it. Let's believe God. Let's get out of the mundane, human way of doing things. And let's believe God for something supernatural. Stephen Olford, the Prince of Preachers, great Baptist preacher, said the only rationale for the church of Jesus Christ is the supernatural. 
That's pretty good. It's the supernatural. So we called Smith in. Smith said he'd come. We advertised a lot and that first night. We had a pretty good crowd. Place about full, about 100 people in that little auditorium. And I was expecting a great motivator to come, you know. God bless you, precious people. You are king's kids. That kind of thing. Not what I got. Smith was about 5'10". He was 80 at the time. Weighed about 115, 20 pounds. Looked like a cadaver. (laughs) Never combed his hair in his life. Had these bushy eyebrows. Had deep sockets underneath them. With no eyeballs in them. Just these glowing embers. (laughs) Scare the fire out of you. So this is what happened on that Sunday night. I said, we're pleased to have one of the great missionary statesmen of the world. I want you to welcome to our pulpit, Dr. Oswald Smith. This is what happened. You make me sick. (laughs) I can see the folks out. What did he say, Martha? (laughs) He said, we make him sick. Well, boy, there was hostility spread like a fog over that place. Darlene's sitting over by the organ, and I I turned to her and and breathed. I just mouthed one word, pack. We're going to be leaving here, babe. And he just kept repeating this. You make me sick. You got out of your pretty little houses, got in your air-conditioned houses, got in your air-conditioned cars, came to this air-conditioned little church, sitting on these padded pews. What do you want me to do, a song and a dance for you? Want me to entertain you for 30 minutes? Tell you more about the gospel than you've ever heard before? When half the world has never heard the name of Jesus the first time, who do you think you are? You make me sick. Boy, the people were glaring. Not at the lunatic, at moi. (laughs) I was the one who in my sickness, you know, had said, God has called me to heaven. Right. So he closed down. I mean, it was just tense in there. And now I'm facing Monday night missions convention. There'll be three of us there, me, Smith, and Darlene. Maybe not Darlene. <laughs> I said, mad at this guy. Just wanted to choke him, you know, choke him. People my age, we guys, we get this turkey waddle, you know. I just wanted to grab his little turkey <laughs> Drove him back to the motel. I was mad at him. Didn't say a word to him. He didn't care. People like that do not care. They hear different music. So the next night I pick him up, drove him all the way back to the church. Never said a word to this man. I got to the back of the church. Parking lot's full. And the man who headed up our parking came to me and said, Give me your keys, Pastor. I'll park your car. Your spot's taken. I said, Why? He said, Parking lot's full. I said, why? (laughs) 
He said, the sanctuary is full. I thought, well, maybe, maybe somebody came with a rope and they spread the word, you know. Maybe there's two ropes. That's what I was really afraid of. We walked in the back door and I peeked in the auditorium and they're putting chairs down the aisle and it's packed. I thought, I'm pastoring a group of masochists here. Beat me again. Oh, hit me again. I love the pain. I love it. I love it. Well, I thought, well, Lord, you, you've given this old crazy man a chance to pour in the oil tonight. He was worse Monday night. Monday night, he just took our skin with pinchers and just started to pull the hide off us. You make me sick. Who do you think you are? <clears throat> Tuesday night, they were eight deep in the lobby. And it was Tuesday night that God changed my whole life. And I understood that I am a debtor. That this is not a free ride. Salvation's free, but discipleship isn't. And when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he meant it. And if I ever expected God to bless me in any way whatsoever, I'd better do what he told me to do. While I was sitting there, God said to me, do you believe what this old man is saying? I said, yeah. God said, good, sell your car and give it to missions. I said, well, you know, I believe it, but. My biggest vice in the world is I love cars. I passionately love automobiles. When I get to heaven, I don't want any wings sprouting out my back. That would not be heaven to me. I want a Maserati. <laughs> Who was that? I think that was the Lone Ranger, somebody. Love cars. And I just bought, a year before, I'd bought a, a Pontiac Bonneville. Gorgeous car. But it was still a great big car, you know, and I'm good to cars. I, I could drive a car forever and never heard of it. I mean, I wax them and I change the oil and do the grease, everything. Car was, I only had 24 more months of payments and it would be mine. I love that car. And God says, sell your car and give it to missions? I don't think so. It's just acid indigestion. So I got home that night and my lovely wife, we had the kids asleep. We just had two kids that time, put them to sleep. Darling had lit some candles and made some little cakes and tea. She batted those big brown eyes at me and she said, Honey, God tell you to sell our car tonight and give the money to missions? I said, Yeah. She said, You better do it. Well, I know, you know, my mama didn't raise a moron, as I told you. It's not easy to sell a car. So I put an ad in the paper the next day and put a price on the car that only a lunatic would pay. <laughs> the next Monday, I watched the lunatic drive the car away. <laughs> I had this money, and I said to Darlene, I'll go down and pay off the lien on the card. What's left, I'll give to mission. She said, oh, I don't think that's what God wants. She said, I think God wants the whole thing. I said, we can't do the whole thing. We're going to lean on the car. She said, you just go down and explain to that nice banker. He'll understand. So I went down and told him. And the banker said, well, I just think you ought to give it all to missions. Your name's good enough. Just keep making the payments. Well, that sounds good, except that I couldn't make another payment except that one. For a car I no longer had, I'd given to some missionary guy somewhere, which meant that all we had to drive was a beat-up 
shot, rotten, rusted out. Rambler! I hate ramblers. In eternity, if you go to heaven, God will say, welcome to heaven, here's your Maserati. You go to hell, devils will say, welcome to hell, here's your rambler. Didn't even have an engine in it. You turned on the ignition and started a cassette tape. <laughs> Hated that car. Well, God gave you another car, didn't he? No! No. Boy, that shoots a lot of theology. And the missionary sure never gave the money back. Which meant I drove that rotten car. Had a bad attitude about it, too. While God loveth a cheerful giver, he will also receive it from a grouch. <laughs> and one day, I get a big, thick packet in the mail of pictures from the missionary that got the money from that Pontiac. And with the money, he'd built a church. Not like this, but cement slab, steel poles, tin roof. Cement blocks on the floor with planks on it, stage, naked light bulbs hanging down. They built it with the money from that car, and it was packed with people praising the Lord. I looked at those pictures, cried. And I made an amazing discovery. Men, you might want to think about this. Went down for, to meet somebody for lunch, got in that old rambler. I looked at that rambler. And you have to, the sun has to hit it just right, but it kind of looked like a Bentley. <laughs> just seemed to ride better, you know, when you set your affection on things above. Your priorities get straightened out. That Sunday morning... Those precious people gave $32,000 to missions. That didn't count that car. That was above and beyond that. And the general fund budget of that church doubled just like that. Six months later, it doubled again. Paid off our bills, bought the building next door, paid cash, refurbished it, paid cash, began to hire all the employees that we needed, paid them good salaries. The church that was running 90 when we started the missions convention, a year later was averaging over 300 on Wednesday night. How do you explain that, Pastor? Proverbs 11:24. There is that scattereth, yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than is necessary. It tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. It's a great word, fat. Say it, fat. Leviticus 3:16 is the greatest verse in the Bible. The fat belongs to the Lord. It's in your Bible, read it. You people who work out and diet, you're grieving God. That's what I came here to tell you. <laughs> I watched that little church suddenly explode. I saw individual Christians inside it suddenly mushroom into life. Why? Because they had become a conduit, a channel through whom God could trust 
his provision, knowing it would get to where he was going. You and I are missionaries of supply. I'd always wanted to be a missionary. God never called me to go overseas, but God's called me to be a missionary of supply. No army can survive unless it has a supply route. You and I are missionaries of supply. But really what we are is the conduit. If we will serve as the conduit, God will provide the supply. Fourteen years ago, God called our army down to Florida. We were just living here. I was doing revival time here at Springfield. Living out in the south end of town. Man, I've caught enough little bass out of the James River. I could write a book about it. Love this town. Love this area. And God called me to the ministry. And God called us to Fort Myers, Florida. I didn't want to go down there. I wanted to go to Florida, but not to, not to that church. Because it was a church going through devastation. It had gone through splits. At one time it had run 1,400. Now it was down to 800 and something. During the first year that I was there, 400 more left. They left in droves and Chevys and Jeeps and buses. It was a church that owed millions of dollars. It had a $2 million balloon note come and due on the sanctuary in six months. There was no way under the sun to pay. No way. He could have got the money. It was 18 to 22 percent back in those days and couldn't get it. Had my car blown up in my driveway by a church member. Went on the police blotter as attempted murder. Windows in the church were shot out. I, w I woke up every morning saying, oh, God, get me out of here. Roughest, roughest year of my life. God, send me somewhere else. God said, well, I know. You're going to have fun. Right. I'm having a lot of fun. God said, have a missionary convention. How soon we forgot the basics of life. So I called together a group of laity. I believe in the laity with all my heart. And uh, said, listen, we have a missions convention. And told them kind of what I've told you here this morning so far. I said, last year this church gave $15,000 to missions. That's pretty pathetic. Let's see what we could believe God for in a faith promise this year. And I didn't tell them a figure. I said, you pray about it and you tell me the figure. They came up with the figure of $175,000. Now put this together. We're going to lose our property. It's gone. It's going to be foreclosed. We've got no way to change it. There are about 450 people sitting in this auditorium seats, 2,500. I got up that morning. Good morning. They came out. Good morning. Ning, 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 ning. Just bouncing around. We're going to have our first annual missionary convention. That is exactly the response. <laughs> and we've set as our faith promise goal for missions $175,000. Had people get up and walk out. And this is where we cave in. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God broke our church wide open the next Sunday during communion. And the next Sunday we started the missions convention. And that's the week that started the greatest series of miracles I've ever seen in my life. I watched those people catch fire, knowing they were going to lose their facility and not knowing where we'd go. 
They made a faith promise to missions of $226,000. Quarter of a million came in. Now we're getting closer and closer to that losing our property. I get a phone call from a guy one day whom I've never met. He said, I want to take you out to eat. So we sat in this rotten restaurant. He took me in this junky old car. Didn't know him from a post. He said, I understand you owe $100,000 on the gym. I said, that's right. He said, I want to write you out a check here. Do I make it out to First Assembly? I said, yeah, thinking every 50 bucks would help. He hands me a check for 100 grand. It's the first check for $100,000 I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, I've seen a lot of them since. Because people flock to places that dare to believe God. And they want to invest their resources in what God is doing. He said, I understand you're going to lose the building. I said, yeah, we owe $2 million. He said, well, I can't give you $2 million. He said, I'll just loan it to you. I looked at his old junkie car and looked at him in this crummy restaurant. I said, you got $2 million? <laughs> he said, yeah, like doesn't everybody? He said, there's a string attached, 8.5% interest, and you can't pay me back anything for the first year. You've got to start to build a staff. Think you could do that? I said, yeah. And First Assembly went into the redemption business. The church has grown and grown. It's well over 3,000 now. We haven't had any debt for a long time. Getting ready to build a children's center, about $5 million, going to pay cash for it. Our missions uh, commitment this year is about $2 million. We don't have any rich people. They come in ordinary cars, just ordinary people. But when you set your mind to do what God's called you to do, when you get in the same business God is in, which is the redemption business, God will do something to you that is transcendent and noble. Why should missionaries have to beg for supplies when God's called them to go to the mission field and he said, you send them? How can people believe unless they hear, Romans says? How can they hear unless somebody goes to tell them? How can somebody go tell them unless they're sent? That's our role. You and I are missionaries of supply. Now, this is not a pledge. This is a faith promise. What do I really believe God will do through me this year in the area of missions? This is where faith comes into play. This is not what you can figure out on paper. This is faith. This is a faith promise. Without faith, it is what? Impossible. It is what? Impossible to please God. And um, we've been doing this now for a handful of years. And we have, um, it was maybe in 2017 or 18 when we first started this. And we have seen a lot of increase in this house in finances since that time. Every year we've given more. Every year the people have increased. Every year we've only gone up and not down. And if you look at the walls around this room and you see all the flags and you see there's a lot of places where... We are, well, let me just ask you this. How many missionaries do we have in this room? You should all have your hands up. Because being a missionary doesn't mean just the person that goes there in person. The one that enables them to go and puts the finances out, that makes you a missionary. Not only um, are we missionaries with them and enabling them, but we're also missionaries right here at home, right? Everywhere we go, in our local 
place of work and in the marketplace and all these things. If you want to know what the vision is of Church of the Word International, just open up your Bible to Mark 16 and Matthew 28 and read the Great Commission and that is what we are all about. And it gets accomplished in a variety of different ways. In fact, I'm going to ask myself three different questions and answer them. Because in this book, which later we'll have some that you can buy, um, he says this is, these are three questions that everyone ought to be able to answer. And the first question he asked, he said, what in the world are you trying to do? Well, what we are trying to do is fulfill the Great Commission. And that is establish the kingdom of God everywhere we go. With no place left out. So wherever the Lord sends us, we're bringing light with us and accomplishing the Great Commission. The second thing that he asks, he says, how in the world do you plan on accomplishing it? How do you plan on accomplishing the Great Commission? Well, we're going to do that in a variety of ways. Um, We're going to start with gathering together. Just like we are right here tonight. We're gathered together. We meet in church buildings. We meet in homes. We meet in parks. Right? We meet in, in small groups and in our youth and all these different places. And then we're doing things like CityGate, which we already had talked about a little bit tonight. Going out, and what are you doing in Lancaster and Columbia? And there's those of us that have been going into prisons and ministering into, uh, to men in prison. Um, there are so many different ways for us to, right here locally, reach out. You know, being politically involved is a part of it. That's a part of what we are to do. And of course then there is all the world. Look at the flags. The people that are there. We have, you know, not everybody can go. Some people have to finance it. Some people have to go. And so each one of us as we take our part, that's how we're going to accomplish it. And then the third question he asked, he said, why in the world even bother? Well, what's the point? Why do it? And that answer is really simple. We're motivated by our love for the Father. And He said to do it. And because we love Him, we obey Him. Did you know that's an expression of love? Is what the Word says. If we love Him, we'll do what He told us to do. And this is what He told us to do. And also in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be paid back according to what He has done while in the body, whether good or or evil. So we're all going to give an account for what we've done. And part of our reward is going to be based, I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about works reward. Part of our reward is, or all of our reward, is going to be based upon what we did as far as the work of the kingdom. There's nothing more important for us as Church of the Word International to do than the work of the kingdom. There's nothing more important than the Great Commission. You know, if our goals as a church are, or individuals are, you know, the, the American dream and the white picket fence, um, you've got problems. You know, I don't agree with Pastor Betzer on some of his views on finances. I think if you listened closely, you would quickly know that. Because I do believe that where you plant, the Lord will prosper you there. It's just the law God's put in place. If you plant corn, you don't reap tomatoes or cucumbers, you reap corn. So if you plant and you, you sow finances into places, I expect that you're going to reap there as well. If you sow a car, then you'll reap either finances for a car or a car. You'll, you'll reap a ride, alright? And so put your faith to 
the prosperity of God because the prosperity of God is absolutely needed to accomplish the Great Commission. Without it, we're just spinning our wheels because it takes money to be able to accomplish and reach all the world. And so, I know that I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but it's important that we be able to very quickly, if someone were to ask us, what is your church about? Oh, well, we're a missions church. Locally and abroad. One of the ways that we, if you look on our website, you'll see it. If you look on some of our material, you'll see it. Um, on our website and on our material, you will find something that says our vision is best expressed with the word team. What does the word, what does an acronym of the word team mean? Well, it means the first, the T stands for transform. We believe that this is a house where you will be transformed. Transformed by the power of the Word. Transformed by the presence of God. And as you come in and and get into the Word, the Word has a transforming effect on you. The second one of of the word team is equip. For the word team, the word E, equip, is this house. Our purpose when you come in here is to equip you. To equip each other to be able to carry the Gospel to your neighbor, your family, your workplace, all of the different places, all that you need to be equipped with will happen here when we see each other face to face. And then the A, accountability. We believe that the Word of the Lord is important. And what He tells us to do is important. And we are accountable to Him. We're going to give an account for what we are going to accomplish and do. And and not only that, we're accountable to His Word. In fact, the Word says we'll be judged by the Word. So we'll be held accountable to the Word. And we also hold each other accountable. And then the M is mobilize. We're going to mobilize people to step out into the call of God that's on their life and to bring that transformation everywhere they go, here and all around the world. How many of you believe that God deserves our best? Right? He's a God of excellence and His purposes being fulfilled in and through us is absolutely important. It's why you were born for this time and not 100, 200, 500 years ago. Because you have a purpose and a place in this season and time that we're in. In 2019, there was a study done by the National Study of Congregations economic practices. It was done by the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. If I can say that word right. You know the word I mean, that one. This is what they said. They said the average missions giving in a church was 11% of their budget. That's the average, 11%. So some are more, some are less. Um, What we did last year was a little more than 30%. And then they went on and they gave this statistic. They said that 43% of churches teach on giving only once or never per year. Once or never. That's 43%. 36% of churches will teach on giving quarterly. And then 9% of churches will teach on it weekly. So we're in that 9% group, right? Every week you hear um, Jen... We'll, we'll bring Scripture to us or someone else that she brings up 
uh, bring scripture to us about giving and about hooking your faith to the finances of what you're doing and returning to the Lord. Now here's, here's the interesting part. Of that 9% of churches that weekly teach on giving, 90% of that group, they reported financial growth. As opposed to the group that teaches it quarterly, only 73% of them reported financial growth. And there's a reason for those numbers is because as you sow, you reap. And the more you sow, the more you reap. And the more you reap, the more you're able to sow. And the more you're able to sow, the more you're able to On re- oh, You get the picture. Round and round and round, bigger and bigger. You know, our church tithes. Our church sows. Um, the tithe, returning what belongs to the Lord... That works for the individual. It also works for businesses. It works for for churches. It works. That law just simply works, right? Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Promise of God that you can take to the bank. All right, if you'll look over at your other paper, the... uh, Annual Mission Alms Faith Promise Paper. And on here, I'm going to just read line by line and talk a little bit as we go through so that you understand what this is. It says, please pray about this decision before completing. We're not looking for what you can do based on the numbers you know are coming into your source. You know, your job, your investments, none of that. What we're looking to do is, Lord, what number would you want me to believe for? That's what we're looking. And so... It says, as God enables me. So that's not your job. This is supernatural. Supernatural provision. As God enables me, I make a faith promise. Not a pledge. It's a faith promise. For missions, alms, at or through CWI. Remember, we are missionaries of supply. In the coming year of August of 2021 through July 2022, in the total amount of And that's the number that the Lord will give you. And then you can check whether you think you'll do that monthly or weekly or as a one-time gift. And then then there's this on the paper. If you write something down on that card that your flesh is super comfortable, probably the Lord didn't have much to do with it. Because usually He tells you to do things that are uncomfortable, doesn't He? He stretches you. You know, I looked at my finances and said, okay, I think we could do this. This would be a stretch. Lord, what do you want? And then I kind of trembled a little bit. (laughs) Right? And then the number he gives is what my wife and I wrote down. And then it said, um, read this. Remember, this is a faith promise that is solely between you and the Lord. As he enables you. This is not between you and man. And then take ownership of the commitment. Sign your name or your names if if you're here with your spouse. And this paper, what we're going to do is we're going to gather them up and we're going to have um, two of our ushers go total up the total amount and then the papers get discarded. Um, so no one's ever going to come to you and say, hey, are, are, did you pay your faith promise? Did you fulfill what, what you're believing God to do as He enables you to be able to do it? This is just between you and the Lord, but it's for us to get our faith out there and get our faith active for the supernatural that goes above and beyond what we could do on our own. And so when they bring at, at the end of our, our songs and worship, um, then they'll have the total for us. 
And we'll share that total with everyone. And now we can corporately together put our faith for that number to come through us in the next year. Are there any questions? All right. Go ahead. Let's take a moment. John, you can start playing. And um, we are going to just take a moment. Check with the Lord. What's He telling you? Fill it out. And then in a, in a little bit, we'll come by with a basket and pick them up. While you're still filling those out, I'm going to ask um, and draw on the apostolic anointing of the one who founded this church, Church of the Word International. And Dale, if you would come, I would like um, for you to do two things. One is when the Lord, why did, just answer a few of my questions first. How about that? That'll be right. easier. Why did you start Church of the Word International? I mean, the obvious is because the Lord told me to, Yeah. period. Uh, There's no way I could not. And, um, but the interesting thing is that when he told me to start it, he, very similar to this gentleman's sermon, he told me to do things about which I did not know how to do them and I had no desire to do them. He said, name it Church of the Word International because you will always have to keep the world first. And, uh, you know, back then I thought if I preached in New York or Ohio, that'd be far away. And uh, 50 countries later, uh, you just kind of look around and say, the Lord must know what he's doing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Other questions? Well, you answered the other one because the other one was, why did you name it Church of the Word International? And so you've already answered yeah. that. The other thing is that when we, our very first brochure, our mission statement, which is kind of funny because I had a, a lunch, one of these pastor seminars, and, and we're eating a lunch, and I was sitting next to a very famous preacher on the, on the East Coast. He had several thousand in his church, a black pastor. And I was just honored to sit next to him. And uh, this would have been in the uh, 80s. And during the meal, he asked me, he said, well, what's your vision? And these were all buzzwords back then. And I, and I said, well, I, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And he kind of chuckled and said, well, you, you need to have a vision, young man. And I got mad. That is the vision. Yeah. That's what Jesus said. I, you know. The manager over at McDonald's doesn't change the vision. Yeah, that's right. 
I don't have any right to change what God said. That's right. And uh, so our very first brochure, Church of the Word International, is a missionary organization actively planting churches in the northeastern United States. That was our first mission statement. Awesome. And, uh, and then you tonight, I, I realize, uh, changed our slogan. Yeah, I did. <laughs> years and years ago, uh, sitting around a, in a restaurant with a crayon and a white piece of paper at a restaurant with Bruce Latibue, we wrote out, transform, equip, and mobilize. And team was our slogan from, from probably the early 90s. And uh, he, he's added accountability, and I like it. Yeah. yeah. Bruce and I weren't smart enough to put that in there. And was just too weak. And is just too weak. Accountability. I like that. Either that or Bruce and I have never been. No, no, anyhow. Not true. So uh, that is God's heart. Yes. Yes. Now, another thing I'll add, and I, and I want the church to know it because I'm so happy about it. Uh, unlike Oswald Smith, by the way, may, you may not know that, but Oswald Smith had a tremendous impact on Terry and I. And uh, it's very little, very not that known, let's say it that way, even though he was such a great man of God. And uh, one of the things God dealt with with me on early was we had this classical you know I don't know where you came from but we were raised up in a church where you had a little bulletin board and you had a hundred missionaries and you sent them all five dollars basically you know maybe twenty and and as a church you were prouder because you had more missionaries than, than the one across the street you weren't really doing anything but you had this long list of missionaries you were helping and I was in a conference where the guy was preaching, and, and uh, he was really boring. And uh, I started to pray, and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, this, I'm not getting anything out of this breakaway session. And the Lord spoke to me and said, neither am I, so let's talk. And, uh, and he began to talk to me, and he said, you're doing missions wrong. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, because I had kind of inherited many of these missionaries. And the Lord said, write them this letter. And he gave me the letter. And uh, he said, uh, cut off, you know, don't support them. But these two, and the Lord told me which two. He said, build from there. But don't just support them, pastor them. That means visit them. That means call them. That means find out their kids' birthdays. That means help them in their ministry. Be real, not just money. And, uh, and so we, we did that. And, and yeah, the list grows, but it grows from a beginning. And I just want everybody to know how uh, I could never stand here and say, you make me sick. You make me proud. And, and uh, these aren't just flags of symbols of, you know, one more check mark. These are relationships. There's, there's people in each of these nations and uh, that is so powerful because that's where we put our faith is with people that's right our faith's not in money that's right our faith's not in buildings our faith's not in even events our faith is in people and what they can do and what they can believe
Amen. Amen. And, and just to add to this, this is what God has done in this house. You know, when we started this, we were still paying on some debts. Mm-hmm. And, and at one point, we had significant debt. And the year that we started doing this special missions giving like what we're doing now, we, the debt got paid off. And then from that time till now, we were able to start saving towards a building fund. And there were some large donations that came in. And that just a few short years ago, we had nothing. And we were scraping by. And so the Lord... Didn't you have a rambler? <laughs> and so the Lord really increased you. And from that increase, the church has flourished. And there's no needs unmet. There's nothing unmet here in this house. Because the Lord's just been doing a mighty thing. And He honors what you're doing in His, in the, in his kingdom. Yes. So tell us a little bit too about the Armada Commission and what that what does that have to do with missions and and all of that? Well, it, it's really it's the the E in equip to a to a different level. Lives get transformed and then you get hungry for purpose. Why did he save me? And some, not all, but some are called to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers what we classically call the five-fold ministry. Again, like the pastor said, I believe in the laity and the ministry of the believer. But, but some need to, to uh, pick up and, and take this gospel into areas of leadership, in church planting, again, in, in uh, prophetic ministry, in pastoring and teaching, in a full-time consideration of called to and, and, and that doesn't mean we're, you know, we're still tent makers. You never stop working, right? But there's a separation as God called Paul and Barnabas to a full-time ministry. And Armada Commission is to equip those unique called people, men and women, who God has called. And that then equips us to spread them like seeds all over the world, whether it's church planting here or whether it's overseas. And uh, the world really has yet to see what God will do in and through and for and with and by those hearts that are fully surrendered to Him. So when does the next... uh... Well, it starts uh, September 7th and runs for a year. And it's uh, from 8 a.m. in the morning till noon. Uh, Pastor Bill Hake is our dean. Alan Erickson is our administrator, and we've got a bunch of different teachers coming in and some new ones this year. And uh, actually, Zachary will be teaching uh, as he's finishing up his Master's of Biblical Studies. And uh, we've got some others in line, and I don't know who all Dean Hake has talked to, so I won't reveal some of that thunder. But uh, very excited about it because we do need to be equipped. When I was a young man I recognized uh, that all, all of the men that and women who'd made uh, a lasting mark in their ministry had a period of time in the beginning when they set things apart uh, for old Roberts it was sickness and he, and he was actually set apart to where he focused on God Lester Summerall was actually very similar it was uh, sickness he had a dramatic encounter but for a period of time, he was set apart and focused 
not on surviving and, and through the job, but focused on God. And uh, as you account that, there is a time for people to lay down their job and move and sell their house and get to a place where they can focus on Jesus, that they be equipped. And we as a body need to be in support of them and help them and lift up their hands and get them on the mission field if necessary or get them active in planting a church. Amen. All right. And That's quite a bit. I don't want to take too long. But well, you're doing good. good. You'd that's be a good. great TV host, actually. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's the thing. If you're considering joining um, the Armada Commission this next year, it, it runs through June. Is that June. right? June. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're considering joining, here's the good news. There are small, intimate classes at this point. And so you're going to have a lot more one-on-one time with your instructors than what you would in a class where there's like 100 students. And so that's a, uh, a huge plus, in my opinion, yeah, for, for discipleship. So just put that out there. Amen. All right, I think that answers. Uh, thank you. Amen. Transform, equip, accountable, and mobilize. mobilize. I like it. We're going to change that. going to pray for Troy and Katie and the work that's happening in Ghana, as well as for myself and Pastor Jay. We're going to be leaving on um, Thursday and flying where we will be ministering, which he will be here next weekend. So we're, we're swapping places. And um, then we'll be doing some traveling inside the country and going and seeing some friends that we have in different places and encouraging them and and um, doing exactly what Apostle Dale just said about pastoring them. And so uh, we'll, we'll bl- pray some things out about that. All right, John, are you ready to shout to the Lord? Stand with me if you would. There we go. So pick yourself up. <laughs> Let's worship. Praise God.
My children, you look at the world now, you think, it's got to be over. But I haven't started yet. Yeah. Don't give up on me because I want to use you. Until you're ready, until you're yielded, I will show my glory. But it has to be by the Spirit. The Spirit of the God shall move in ways you've never seen before. In ways you can't hardly dream of. But I am who I am. I have done what I said I've done. And I will do what I said I will do. My word is true. My word will be fulfilled. And I'm going to use you people to do it. People all around this world know the name of Jesus Christ. Know the power and the love of Jesus Christ. May they surrender. Because I want to use you. I want to use you in the workplace. I want to use you in your family. I want to use you wherever you go. You have to learn to be obedient. You have to learn to hear my voice. You have to learn to walk the walk. You have to be built up in the Word and in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit because I am the way. I'm a life changing, I'm a world changer. And I'm not done with this world. I'm not done with this nation. You shall see my glory. Surrender, people. Lean on the word. Look in the word. Because I will reveal it to you in ways you've never saw it before. But my word is true. Jesus paid the price. He is the way. He is the only way. He is truth. He is wisdom guides and directed led only by the holy spirit so trust in me learn to know me in ways you've never known me before hunger and thirst for me hunger and thirst for me give me your life give me your life and you shall see glory and you shall see wonders in jesus name amen thank you lord we receive that lord Thank you for empowering your word in us. Lord, within on each one of us, inside each one of us, I just ask by your spirit to awaken and quicken us in greater measure than before. An awareness of the time we live in, an awareness of the necessity that we rise up and walk in the supernatural power that you have made available to us. I thank you for it. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Let's pray for uh, Troy and Katie. They're in Ghana, and them and their translator are going up north, and they're going to minister the gospel to a family. There's a, a young man that became a believer, I believe, a year ago, and so now his family wants to hear the gospel, and so they're going up to meet this young man's family and to give them the good news that'll make an eternal difference in them and their generations. So Father, I thank you that you've made this available for Troy and Katie and their translator to go up. Lord, I just call supernatural protection upon them. Father, that you would absolutely fill their mouth with the right thing to say. 
Lord, that as they lay hands on people, that they would receive an encounter from you just as you have shown us in the book of Acts. Lord, I thank you that you have um, assigned angels to them for their protection. Bring them back safely, back to the group. Lord, we lift up the entire group to you and just continue to work through them that they might find great success in your kingdom in Ghana in Jesus' name. And Lord, I lift myself and Pastor Jay up to you as we're going to travel. Lord, I ask that you would give us traveling uh, mercy, traveling favor, that you protect us every step of the way, that, you, that we will come back home in Jesus' name with nothing missing and only stories to tell of your goodness. And Father, I thank you that you prepare the hearts of those that are going to hear the gospel in Ghana and all the different places, Lord, that you would right now um, encounter them and prepare them for the words they will hear. I thank you for it. Father, I thank you that you be with all those here at home, that you, um, you'd be with my family, Jay's family. Uh, the different ones that are in, in, in Ghana, their families that are here at home, thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision over them. Thank you, Lord, that you are watching and we lean upon you to meet every need in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. Let's put our faith to the Lord doing supernatural things through us and our finances and through our neighbor and their finances. Let's pray that right now. Lord, I thank you that you would just bring supernatural provision into our possession. Father, I ask you for supernatural ideas to come to us in ways to, to bring increase into the kingdom in ways maybe we haven't thought about before. But Lord, you show us what you would have us to do and how you would accomplish this. We are here. We're available. and We give ourselves to you to fully accomplish it and more. I thank you for it. Someone say, I am blessed in Jesus' name. One more thing before you go. There is um, some new books in the bookstore. We do have some, some that are down there, all right? And um, you can find this book. There's uh, maybe 10 copies or something like that down there. It says, it's Jesus and Israel, one covenant or two. I just recently read it. Um, Pastor Dale recommended it to me, and I couldn't put the book down. It just really gripped me. And so if you're looking for a book, a good material to read, it's down in the bookstore. Inside the front cover of most of the books, you'll find the prices, and there's a box down there for the money. All right, one way we love God no, is we love each other. We didn't <laughs> No, no. Okay, sit back down. <laughs> if you need an envelope for your missions giving, see, this is our annual missions weekend, but the last weekend of every month, if you're new here with us, the last weekend of every month we take a special offering for missions or alms, and it goes all over, wherever you designate it to go. If you don't put a designation on it, it just goes to our general mission fund and then gets dispersed from there. If you put a designation on it, 100% of it goes to wherever you said you wanted it to go. And um, that is the number. Then at the end, um, when one year from now, that is the number that we look at and say this is what we did together. So if you need an envelope, um, wave at our ushers. They'll bring one to you if they didn't already. 
And um, let's, let's pray over our missions offering. Father, we present this gift to you because we love you. And Father, we believe, we believe that you are our provider in supernatural ways and in natural ways. And so, Father, I call in a great harvest of finances in the name of Jesus into every person sowing that they would be increased in all kinds of ways that they would clearly recognize as you, Father. And I thank you for it. I thank you that you enable us to do every good work. And I thank you, too, that you cause these finances to increase and grow as wherever they're sent, that those places that you touch those people, that as the money goes, so the people would just be awakened to you in Jesus' name and amen. You can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the Lord. Reminding me, Debbie, you're better than Siri for sure. A lot better. So everyone's invited downstairs. There's time of finger foods and um, to love on each other as you go. Good evening. It is great to see you all here at Church of the Word International. We welcome you in our time of worship. You know the word hallelujah means God, God be praised or praise the Lord. There's great rejoicing in that word. Do you know it's 24 times in the Old Testament, but only in the book of Psalms. Isn't that cr crazy? I thought, wow, when I, when I, Understood that 24 times in the book of Psalms. And it builds up until the very end when in Psalms 150, 
it could all be hallelujah because it says praise the Lord. That's how it starts off. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the t- tambourine and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments and the flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's stand together as family tonight and let's do that very thing. Let's praise our God. Breathing out there. How many are breathing out there? Okay. That's a hint. <laughs> okay. We believe that your grace is stronger than all our faults and failures. We believe that your love is deeper than our hearts could fathom. Oh, we know that all again. Yes, it is a good evening. 
We're so glad you're here tonight. We'd like to welcome those that are here for the very first time. So if you're here for the first time, can you just raise your hand? And we'd like to give you a hand clap. Welcome to Church of the Word International. I trust the Lord will minister to your heart tonight. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand and the ushers will see that you get it. And we're just going to very quickly, we're going to pray over our offerings and our tithes. But as we do that, let's just release our faith that the Lord meets our needs and that as tithers, the windows of heaven are open for us. There's not one need that you could encounter that he doesn't have a provision for, already prepared. All right, so let's take a hold of our tithe and let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you tonight that you're so faithful and you're such a good provider. And so we just, we just return the tithe to you as part of our worship. And we thank you for the opportunity and the ability to tithe. We thank you for our jobs and our sources of income. Lord, I just ask that you bless the, the people, bless these tithers, enable us to do your work, enable us to be a blessing. And I thank you for every need met in Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give unto the Lord. All right, well, tomorrow is CityGate Columbia. And so I'd like to just see a raise of hands. If you're planning to go to CityGate Columbia, can you just raise your hand real high? All right, we've got two in the back, one there. All right, so here's the thing. Our sign-up sheet just grew legs and walked off or something. I don't know, but it's not back there. <laughs> So if you don't mind going ahead and signing up again, I believe we have a new one in the back. So sign up, and if you would like to go and have not signed up, please feel free to go ahead and, and sign up. Um, I'm sure that those going will appreciate more than just two. So, um, all right. Sign-up sheet is in the back. Don't forget. All right. We are also going to be having our annual missions giving later on, but, but you'll see that coming later on in the service. Thank you, Kelly, for VBS. Kelly, many, many of you know that she um, has directed our VBS, and we just came through VBS uh, week. So can we give Kelly a hand? All the servers, all the volunteers, we thank you. There was many volunteers that made it happen, and we're really grateful. I just really think it's one of the um, most important local ministries we have. It's very important, and I thank you all for being a part of it. So, Kelly, do you have, you want to come up and share a little bit about our week? So, we had quite a phenomenal week here at Church of the Word. Um, we had children come from the community. We had children come from other churches. We had friends of friends come. We had our, our own CWI friends. Lots of them were here. And uh, much, much help. So, if you were one of the people that had any part in VBS, if you could please stand up, we would like to thank you and recognize you. Let's give them a hand. And there's many, many more that aren't even here that helped out and served and gave. And so we're very, very thankful because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we did. So thank you. Um, we have prepared a um, 
Mr. Lee put together a wonderful slideshow for us, just a little snapshot of the week. And then we are going to have the children come up and anybody who went to VBS and learned the House of the Lord song, they're going to show you one of the worship songs that they learned with the motions that go along with it. So please enjoy the VBS slideshow. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born for our salvation, Jesus. So as you can see, we had quite a great week. We had um, some of our youth. Caleb led a drama team, and they put on skits that went along with each night's lesson. And then we had a worship night for all the children. On Wednesday night, we filled this whole area up, and all these kids came up and worshiped. And lots of wonderful Bible stations, games, and crafts, and some homemade snacks, too. So it was quite a week, and we're already looking forward to and planning for next year. So with that, I would like to invite any of the children who um, were at VBS to please come on up and stand up here. You can preschool all the way up through elementary and some of our youth, if you could come stand with them too and help them out, that would be great. So we'll have you come up and fill this area up right now. Isn't that so precious, seeing all those kids? I, I came in the evenings, and I would see a little bit and observe a little bit. And then on Thursday evening, when I came and was in here um, watching their program, I was just like, man, it, to not be touched by these kids and the way they're experiencing the Lord, you'd have to have a heart of stone. And I'm um, so grateful for so many people that take the ministry to our children as a very real Thing, just as real as the ministry that we as a, a, adults experience. And so thank you to all of you um, adults and young people that were a part of this and poured out your time and energy the whole week. It's not going to be forgotten, not by the Lord. And it's going to bring forth fruit. 